Well, welcome to the Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero, and uh, Clay, we, uh, a week later, we were so excited about the Dolphins' opening season win at New England and the excitement surrounding a, a big division win. They come back, the home opener, and absolutely lay an egg. Your thoughts, Clay? I know we were both there at the game, and, and it was tough to watch. Very tough to watch. What a great weekend. <laughs> between between the Dolphins, the Hurricanes, I mean, you go back to Thursday night, your Giants, then, oh, then my Hokies on Saturday, the Saints. On, I mean, this was just what a disastrous football weekend. But nobody cares about our nobody cares about our personal favorite teams. the The thing that stood out with the Dolphins is, uh, I mean, first off, that you're going to talk about Tua, and mm-hmm. you know, immediately, immediately, it was almost like before the clock even hit zero. We were already talking about Deshaun Watson again. Yeah. Uh, yep. And by we, I mean the the local and, and national media. Absolutely. And and so, and I remember you and I both distinctly saying after, you know, the, the Texans came out and said, we're not going to trade him now. And the Dolphins, we got the, uh, you know, Stephen Ross is firmly committed to Tua, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like, okay, good. Now, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever was out there, now we can focus on Tua his performance and and what he's going to mean to the Dolphins moving forward. We didn't even get a week and and seven dropbacks no, into crazy. that. I mean, yeah. he dropped back to pass six times. He was sacked twice. And then on the third hit, he was out. And, and now here we are talking about Deshaun Watson again. So, you know, that's the first thing that I take away. The second is the reason why he got hurt, and that's the offensive line. Offensive line, yep. It, just a massive issue. So, I mean, it's rinse, repeat, right? Yeah, and, and you know, on the tool part, and as we tape, you know, uh, following this game, we don't have the latest on any test results outside of the initial test, which NFL Network reported was not a broken rib, didn't suffer broken ribs, which is a good sign, though, as we know, you know, MRIs and those kind of tests, as they do further testing, could reveal other issues there with the ribs. So it's still to be determined how long he's going to be out. Uh, whatever he's out, Jacoby Brissett is your backup, and he's a solid backup, but you don't want it being a long-term thing with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, if Tua's out four, five, six weeks, it's an issue. But as far as the game itself and Tua going into this, look, the first play of the game for Tua, he got sacked and hit hard. And he went to his first read. It was covered, and the Bills were right on him. Then after a run, another sack where the first read was covered, and then boom, he's hit. I got a bad sense right away. My God, if this O-line can't protect, they're going to get Tua killed. And they didn't get him killed, but they got him injured. And they got and they got him limping and, and having difficulty breathing coming off the field. And, Clay, I think you're right. That's the bigger takeaway in picture. Them losing to the Bills isn't, to me, it, obviously it's not a shock, but isn't, to me, that concerning. The Bills have had Miami's number. There's something about this team five times in the Brian Flores era they have beaten Miami and they've done it many times with ease. Josh Allen seems to play very well against the Dolphins as now at this point of his career against everyone. Uh, the questions of Tua, though, this is the frustrating part because now all of a sudden, not only is the O line, you know, a question mark as it already was, but now you're really concerned about it. But Clay, you hit the nail on the head. Now you've got the whole Deshaun Watson talk. You've got the whole, is this really where they're going to go with Tua? You know, and right for one moment, all seemed right in the world. And we were moving forward with Tua as your quarterback. And when I say that, I had someone from the national media, and I won't say their name, but because it, it's, it's pointless to say it. It was a you know conversation at the game. Say to me, you know, I'm not around here in Miami a lot, but why is it that in Miami, you guys almost seem to not want Deshaun Watson? Why is it that the fan base is so obsessed with wanting a guy as unproven as Tua? Mm. And I sat there and I said, you know what? That's a good question. It really is. So I'm going to ask you the same question, and I'm going to answer it first by saying what I told him. I said, I think the honest answer is, 
everyone wants the Dolphins to nail that quarterback pick because we've been waiting for it to happen since Marino. And we lived it with Tannehill, who was solid, but never a star here. And now Tua hasn't really gotten that chance and we all want it. And oh, yeah, the elephant in the room. I mean, let's just face it. The stuff hanging over Deshaun Watson's head right now and everything going on. I don't know how you get past that with ease. If Deshaun Watson didn't have these legal issues, potential legal issues, that's to say, and a potential situation with the league and suspension, I think everybody would be all in on, on Deshaun Watson. Is that how you feel about this situation? Well, no, only because I remember before all this stuff came up with Watson, the off the field stuff, I, I got a lot of pushback. And, and I remember the conversation that you and I had over and over again. And, and the line that I always gave people, and I, I still stand by this, okay. based strictly on the field, is I think Tua Tungavailoa can be potentially a very, very good to elite quarterback in the NFL. I know Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback in the NFL. And it was like, you and I, I thought we're on the same page. I know we were on the same page and, and I got a lot of pushback to where anytime I said trading for Deshaun Watson, again, this is going back to February. Yeah. Anytime I said, yes, you trade for a Deshaun Watson. If you can, I got a lot of pushback to where my response was always, okay, you think Tua Tagovailoa can be really, really good. That's great. And not you, the people who, who wanted to see Tua over Deshaun Watson. That's great. I know Deshaun Watson is, and and I think your your first point I think is is more accurate in that I think people fell in love with the idea of the Dolphins drafting the person who would be the first franchise quarterback since Dan Marino, mm-hmm. and I I think people have lived with this tank for Tua thing ever since the Dolphins were were terrible to start off the 2019 yep. season. I think that was part. Yep. I I think that hey I mean we started hearing tank for Tua the second that. He threw the touchdown pass to win the national championship as a freshman. I mean, that was not not necessarily in regards to the Dolphins, but Tank the two, Tank for Tua started that night because we just came off of uh, what suck for luck with with the Indianapolis Colts and luck a few years earlier. So I just feel like this is built up ever since probably 2018, and yeah. and then it went through the beginning of the 2019 season, and then. So many people's hopes were realized when they actually drafted Tua that that they refused to see that he was a different player than he was before the injury. And so I think those are all of the reasons. And yes, I do think that anybody who was on the fence, once these allegations against Deshaun Watson came out, it probably pushed them to the other side of that fence. You know, in the same conversation with that person I mentioned earlier, uh, the conclusion of the conversation was, I don't know how the Dolphins would make a move given what's going on with Deshaun Watson. And you know what he told me? And again, this is sometimes you need to hear this stuff because I think sometimes we live in our own bubble in South Florida and we think, you know, okay, we have a good pulse, uh, a finger on the pulse of what's going on in our sports and in our town. And you know what his response was? Look, man, Dolphins inquired about uh, Deshaun Watson. They looked at the draft. They were one of those teams that you see all these reports about, oh, three picks, four picks. They wanted six picks, you know, all that stuff. Point being, if the Dolphins inquired about Deshaun Watson, which I think we can all agree they have, You know, they have whether they deny it or not say anything they have, that means that they'd be ready to take on the responsibility of what is hanging over Deshaun Watson's head. And when I put it all together, and I didn't want to make this podcast, nor do I want to make this podcast about Deshaun Watson, but it certainly does now open up the can of worms given to a status on what ends up happening. I still think Tua will get a fair chance with this team this season on what he can do. And Clay, I'm all for pulling that plug if it doesn't work out. 
all for pulling the plug because I was laughing about the Kyler Murray situation today. You know, Kyle was phenomenal, right? And what did the Cardinals do? They said they we saw a guy in Josh Rosen who was up and down as rookie. We weren't 100% sure what we saw there. And they said, yeah. pull the plug on this and let's go get Kyler Murray. And you look at that. If they don't get Kyler Murray, my Giants may have gotten Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. when you look at situations like that, the, the trickle-down effect of what teams and decisions they make and how it can change the course of a franchise and other franchises forever, the Dolphins can't be too loyal to Tua. If they feel at some point they can get a guy who can win for them as better and establish, you do it. But I still think that Tua will get his fair shot, all depending on this injury and when he comes back. Well, and, and hey, look, I, I think you have to factor in the fact that he got hurt again as being part of the fair shot, because if, if durability is something that, that you have to factor in with whether or not you can count on a player and, and you have to, yeah. then this is going to, to count as a mark against him, fairly or not, because it's not the first time. This is not a freak injury. Is it different than other injuries he suffered? Yes, absolutely. This is this is not related to the ankle injuries that he suffered at Alabama. It's not related yeah. to the hip injury that nope, he suffered surgery, yeah. at Alabama. It's not related to it, but it is another mark in the box of, of being unavailable. Now, he took if, a hell of a hit. By the way, there are a lot of quarterbacks that you take a hit like that, that, that they're going to end up with injuries to the ribs because I mean, he took a direct shot. 100%. And, and Drew Brees took a very similar hit last year for the Saints. And yet, what do both of those quarterbacks have in common? They're small. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson is not small. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but like you can look at this and say it is the offensive line's fault that he got hit and got hurt. And it was. Mm -hmm. But if he were six, four, six, five. Well, let me tell you, here's a perfect example. Don't even go to other quarterbacks. Clay, stay in the game. Jacoby Brissett took similar hits and he stayed That's up. That's a great point. Jacoby Brissett's yeah. a big yeah. dude, so, big, strong, so, tough so again, dude. Like, you're not blaming him for this, but you are putting it again in another, you know, if you're doing a, a pro and con box when it comes yeah. to, to keeping Tua, look, if you can't properly evaluate him because he's hurt, then at some point being hurt becomes part of the evaluation. And, and unfortunately no, with Tua, it's, it's becoming a, a recurring thing going back to Alabama. And yeah, if, if you can't evaluate him this year because he can't get on the field, then I, I think you may as well say that, look, you got to move on. Yeah, and I, I think that's the – look, the, the next step for the Dolphins is a trip to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. So there's no big-picture issues or questions going on now unless for some reason this week the Dolphins decide to dive into this whole Watson thing and pull off a, a, you know, a crazy trade. But I, I don't foresee that. So as it stands with this roster, we mentioned this O-line. It is a true issue. And what stinks about it is sometimes offensive lines are bad O-lines because you're trying to patch it together with a veteran you pick up off the street and you get a sixth-round pick that you take and you take – you know – the Dolphins have invested draft, you know, quality investments in the high portion of the draft from Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Leon Eichenberg. And they, they're, these are premium picks, whether they're first or second round picks. They are high picks where you can get quality players at all kinds of positions. So it's not like the Dolphins are ignoring the offensive line. They truly are trying to address it. So I don't know what's more concerning. The fact that they're trying to address it and they're trying to strike out so poorly or the fact that these players just aren't being developed or aren't as good as we thought. Like what, what's the blame here? Is it the players aren't that good or the, the, the front office is misjudging people. And, and when I say front office, it obviously falls on Chris Greer, but it also falls on flow because Brian Flores has done a lot right in his three years with the Dolphins. And I love what flow has done, but at the same time, he is an evaluator and he is part of those decisions. 
draft, they talk about it. Him and Chris Greer talk about the way things work and who goes and how they pick. Let me tell you that the offensive line, the way they're building this whole line is not looking good. No. And, you know, I, I think you could you could look at last year with some of the young players and, and, and each of these guys had some moments where like, OK, man, they got something here, or at least the opportunity to to mold something, to build something with the young players. But it always came with the caveat. Yes. However, they're showing a lot of negatives, but we're going to give them a pass for that because they didn't have a real off season. They mm-hmm. had pretty much no they had no preseason, very limited training camp contact. So. Like it was okay. Well, you understood let's that. give them a true full off season. Let's give them a full training camp. Let's it, then we'll see what we've got. Well, as Yogi Berra said, it's getting late early, and you know at mm-hmm. some point, like you have to look at this and say, okay, yeah, they're going to get better as time goes on, but incrementally better from what we're seeing right now just ain't good enough. And and especially if you're yep. going to put a quarterback out there who is, is showing that, that he can, he can get hurt. And so, yes, it all factors into this. And, and yes, you do point the finger at, at everybody in the front office and on the coaching staff, because clearly what they're doing is not working. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about the quarterback all day and, and it's easy to talk about the quarterback because it's one player mm-hmm. and, you know, I, you see Deshaun Watson and, and you know what he could potentially do. And, and frankly, he had some offensive lines in Houston that were not good and, and he was able to compensate for it. And the bottom line is that it's a lot easier, as crazy as it sounds, because it, it, it's so hard to find a franchise quarterback, but it's mm-hmm. easier to find one player than it is yeah. to find five. And, and right yeah. now along that offensive line, like I don't know that there's more than one or two players that you can definitively say, yes, mm, I am scary. very confident that, that this yeah. – And it's a, it's a problem. It's a real problem. I, you can't just look at that and say, all right, well, we can replace this player and, and everything's going to be good. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's a concern with a quarterback who, when he does return, will be coming back from a rib injury, whether it's right away right. or in a couple of weeks. Right. With a guy, Jacoby Brissett, who showed some nice movement. He's not known as a mobile, agile guy, but he's got that ability. And a lot of times veterans have this ability where they can shuffle their feet and kind of sense the pressure and move around. And he did a nice job of that on Sunday, though he took a lot of hits, which anyone would take against that offensive line with the way the Bills were coming at them. So, you know, Jacoby Brissett's the kind of guy that I think could fill in a week or two if needed. And, but big picture, what we learn, you know, week after I opened the podcast talking a week after New England, what we learned, you know, we learned that this offensive line is a mess. We also learned, though, that one of the strengths of the Dolphins going into the season was thought to be the wide receiver position. And, you know, the addition of Jalen mm. Waddle, the addition of Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, you know, hopefully healthy and for a full season. Albert Wilson coming back, Jakeem Grant being that spark plug and that playmaker that can take one and house it and make quick plays. And Clay, when you look down that list, Jalen Waddle's been very good today. He struggled with some drops. You know, he, he definitely struggled with a later, as everyone did. Devontae Parker dropped the touchdown, went right through his hands. Jakeem Grant had a fumble near the goal line inside the 10. Uh, Albert Wilson had a couple of drops. And Will Fuller right now, uh, I'm not going to make light of the situation because it's not funny. We don't know what's going on with Will Fuller. And while it's silly to speculate that he won't be back, right, we don't know when he will be back. So yeah. all of a sudden, the strength of a Dolphins team at an offense and the weapons, remember all the time there's been the weapons for Tua, the weapons for Tua. Well, guess what? Between the offensive line not blocking and the weapons dropping passes or not being around, I, all of a sudden, the strength doesn't look like a strength anymore. So what is the strength? You know what I mean? Like I on offense. And, yeah, I'm talking about offense. Do, 
Right. And, and like we knew coming into the season, we kept saying that, uh, yeah, we know the running game isn't going to be very good, but maybe having all these weapons and, and having a good passing game can open up things for the running game. Well, yeah. now you don't have that. Like, I don't even know what you have offensively. And well, clearly they didn't because they got yeah, shut, they out shut out by yeah, Buffalo. And, and look, I mean, they only scored 17 the previous week in, in winning at New England. And, and so I, you know, as much as we can sit here and point the finger at the quarterback, and, and clearly it's been an issue at the same time, it's also hard to evaluate when there are so many problems elsewhere. So, yeah, Will, like, I guess I, I guess I didn't put it all together until we sat here and started talking about the whole thing. The offense is a flat-out mess. Right now, two weeks. And, and that, see, that's an, that's an assessment play you can make up. People panic after two weeks, but that's, I think, a fair assessment. Right, because it's it's not like – it's not like you, you saw – this is stuff that was going back to last year, and I think we kind of gave some of it a pass because it was a weird year and said, okay, let's give it the full offseason, full training camp, and see if it got better. But it hasn't gotten better. No. So then you start to say, okay, well, well, then what we saw last year now has to come into the evaluation even more because they're starting to show some of the same problems this year. So, and look, yeah. I, this could look a lot different if they go to Vegas. You know, Vegas is coming into this thing 2-0, and, 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 you know, you go and you win there on the road. And I do think the Dolphins, even without Tua, can win there. Yeah. And, and their defense is very, very good. And, and maybe that's how they turn the season around, is the defense goes out and makes some plays. The offense just yeah. doesn't screw it up. And Well, the defense won them in week one because while Tua had sure. good moments and the offense had good moments, you said it, they scored, you know, they didn't score many points. And they had they needed a great play by Xavier Howard at the, the ten yard line late in the game to win the game. So you're right, the defense has already done its part. And for a while on Sunday, they were doing their part against the Bills, trying to keep it close, fourteen nothing, creating turnovers, giving them good field position they couldn't take advantage of. So the big picture is there is I think anyone who's panicking, I'm like, oh god, this team is going to stink and this is awful. No, it's too early. But I do think that it's legitimate concern about the offense because there's another thing, Clay, that caught my attention on Sunday, that honestly. I, I sort of noticed, but I didn't pay much attention because preseason, first game, it's starting to concern me. When you combine an offensive line that's not good, right, With a, mm-hmm. and you could take away the first read for a young quarterback, yeah. it's a bad mix. And yeah. in, in the two of the sacks in the first drive, we didn't get to see much of two on Sunday, but two of the sacks were a first read. Guy was just covered like a, uh, with a blanket, you know what I mean? And he had to go to another read, and the offensive line didn't let him because there was a guy in his face. And that's concerning. You know, sometimes a veteran can sense it, move out of the pocket. Tua's not there yet. Tua still is a little skittish with the pressure, and it's just something that young quarterbacks have to work their way through. It, so when when things are moving, what do we talk about Tua, right? When he's clicking the short pass, the quick slants, the quick moves, the little bubble screens. That When that's clicking, that's great. But when that first read is taken away and it's not clicking, you get what you get on Sunday. Not necessarily the injury, but the pressure and the frustration and, and quite frankly, an offense that just couldn't do anything. Well, let's go back to last weekend, and, and J.C. Jackson from the Patriots was quoted as saying, that's what Tua does. When his first read is taken away, he panics, and he throws it up for grabs, and he did that against New England, didn't get a chance to do that against Buffalo. So, again, that comes back into the evaluation when, when yeah. you're trying to figure out what a quarterback is and what he isn't. You know, you're in year two now. And, and, and look, given the way the offensive line plays, maybe panic is warranted. Uh, we saw what happened on that fourth and two play when Tua got hurt. Like maybe there's a reason why he panics. Like he knows he's yeah, going to get hurt. Guy, like, there's a guy coming right after him, man. Within two right. seconds. So, yeah. 
But that doesn't change the fact that he is. And, and yeah. if opposing defenses know that they can take away that first read and induce panic, uh, like, isn't that what you want? Like, don't you want the quarterback yeah. panicking? And, and so if defenses know that, if you know that if Bill Belichick told his team that, that everybody else is picking up on this as well. So, you know, I, I, guess, what I, I guess what I come away from this, Will, is saying – you know, if they go away, go to Vegas and, and win the game, then then yeah, you start to feel a little bit better about mm-hmm. things. But when you lose thirty-five to nothing at home, and and it was a game that I didn't buy into this all this whole thing. Well, Buffalo lost their first game, so they're going to no, be no, that, that's a, that's a Super Bowl contender. That's a legit Super, Super Bowl contender. But I hated this. I I, I didn't like this narrative that that Buffalo was going to be the more desperate team heading into this ball game. No, man, like you have to go play at Buffalo later this year. Like yeah. your chance to get them, I mean, all things considered being completely, your chance to get them was on Sunday yeah, and true. you lost by 35. Man, and Clay, 2-0, and I, I know it's silly talking about it now because they lost 35 nothing, but 2-0, and them 0-2, you're 2-0 in the division. Right. My goodness, could you, you couldn't have written a better script. Unfortunately, it was a nightmare script that ended up happening on Sunday. So, so you can't you can't tell me that the Dolphins weren't coming into this game after what happened in Week 17 last year, knowing what could have been ahead of them had they yep. won today and put Buffalo in that 0-2 hole. You would have been 2-0 and in the division. Yeah. I, I mean, no, how, no. So you can't – if you came into this game saying, yeah, you know what, hey, we'll get them later on if we lose this I, – I would have a lot of problem with that. I don't think that there was any of that with the Dolphins. I think they flat out got their their – Rear ends beaten by a much yeah. better team, and they got to make a lot of improvements across the board in a short time to get anywhere near what we saw on Sunday with Buffalo. See, and I think I, I I don't think that's panic. I think that's reality. And the reality of the NFL is that look, week to week things change. We are on top of the world one week, winning against a division rival where you usually struggle on the road. You get hammered at home the next weekend, and everybody's all of a sudden thinking, well, do you trade for a quarterback? And and what the heck is wrong with your offense? That's just the way the NFL is. And that's okay. Look, we, we said it earlier as a, as a Saints fan, right? One week, Jameis Winston's the MVP. <laughs> next weekend, people are like, oh, same old Jameis. You know, it's like, yep. and yep. that's just the way football is. So we will be revisiting this conversation and it will likely be a different tone next week, whether the Dolphins actually win, I don't know. But, you know, as far as to whether to a place, how Brissett produces, does the O-line improve? And by the way, I can't say the Dolphins offensive coordinator because they have multiple ones, but whoever is running the ship with with the Dolphins offense and calling plays, you're going to have to understand your offensive line isn't good. They're going to have to find ways to protect the quarterback, whatever that may be and design plays where they don't get the quarterback killed. So whatever that play is, you better figure it out because running your basic offense may actually be a difficult thing given how poorly this offensive line is playing. So it's a bounce back. It's a tough place in Vegas, but as the NFL has proven already through two weeks, uh, it's one of those wild things where anything can happen week in and week out. And what happened, unfortunately, week two for the Dolphins as they get hammered 35 to nothing, they lose their starting quarterback. And all of a sudden, we've got all these concerns all over again. So, Clay and I'll be back next week with the pod. We'll see what the latest is on Tua. You can always catch it on Local10.com. And, of course, watch on Local10 if you live in South Florida. We appreciate you listening and subscribing to the Miami Sports Pod.